welcome back to the wise man's page the daily podcast where we read patrick rothfuss's the wise man's fear page by page this is page 356 there's much truth to that he chuckled how soon can you be ready to leave i shrugged tomorrow thrape raised an eyebrow you don't give much time for the dust to settle do you he said he was in haste and i'd rather be early than late true true he drew a great silver gear watch from his pocket, looked at it, then sighed as he clicked it closed. I'll have to miss some sleep tonight drafting a letter of introduction for you. I glanced at the window. It's not even dark yet, I said. How long do you expect it to take? Hush, he said crossly. I write slowly, especially when I'm sending a letter to someone as important as the mayor. Plus I have to describe you, no easy task by itself. Let me help you then, I said. No sense losing sleep on my account. I smiled. Besides, if there's one thing I'm well versed in, it's my own good qualities. The next day, I made a round of hasty goodbyes to everyone I knew at the university. I received heartfelt handshakes from Willem and Simmon and a cheerful wave from Aury. Kilvin grunted without looking up from his engraving and told me to write down any ideas I might have for the ever-burning lamp while I was away. Arwell gave me a long, penetrating look through his spectacles and told me there would be a place for me in the Medica when I returned. Elk Shadal was refreshing after the other master's reserved responses. He laughed and admitted he was a little jealous of my freedom. He advised me to take full advantage of every reckless opportunity that presented itself. If a thousand miles wasn't enough to keep my escapade secret, he said, then nothing would. I had no luck finding Eladin and settled for sliding a note under the door of his office though since he never seemed to use the place, it might be months before he found it. I bought a new travel sack and a few other things a sympathist should never be without. Wax, string, and wire, hook, needle, and gut. My clothes were easy to pack, as I didn't own many. As I loaded my pack, I slowly realized I couldn't take everything with me. This came as something of a shock. For so many years, I'd been able to carry everything I've owned, usually with a hand to spare. That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. Are we to take that Thrape doesn't write well? Because on the previous page, he had to move his lips while he was reading silently. And on this page, he cops to being a slow writer. Is moving your lips while reading silently not a thing that you get to? No. Okay. Well, in that case, maybe. Because <laughs> I totally do that. <laughs> that is kind of a cliche yeah, in in pop culture, it is kind of a cliche for, uh, or like a way of denoting someone who we are meant to take as not a strong reader. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong. I hesitate to, or I mean, I, I want to come out and say there is nothing wrong with moving your lips while you read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in culture or in, in you know, fiction, it is often used to den- uh, denote a certain thing. It seems weird that that would be the case, given that he is like a well-bred aristocrat and he probably was taught to read pretty young. But, you know, maybe he's dyslexic or something. Maybe he has an issue that makes it hard, a little harder for him to read and write. That's kind of what I think it is. If that is the case, I'm very pleased that Roth has put a character like that in here. Yeah, I, I think that that is kind of what it is. And if so, I just like it as a nice bit of character work. But I also want to point out that just it doesn't mean that someone has a learning disability if they write or read at a different pace than other people. Like, for example, I'm known at my work as someone who writes really fast 
and get stuff done on time. And that doesn't mean that my coworkers have like learning disabilities or whatever, because they like they don't, as far as I know. No, no, it just means that they're committing time theft. No, <laughs> no it means that I'm better than them. God damn it. Oh boy. <laughs> If anything, I'm the one committing time theft because... That sounds accurate. <laughs> yes, you get in arguments with people. That's why you're always getting in arguments with people deep in the replies. <laughs> All right, back briefly to the page because we're reading. Because you're not putting your mind to the wholesome act of work. Mm. If you can tweet, you can clean, they say. Uh, anyway, back to the page yesterday, Dana. That's right. Thank you. I want to point out something on the page that feels very musically written where he's naming off what a sympathist should never be without. And there's wax, string, and wire, hook, needle, and gut. Rather than just saying wax, string, wire, hook, needle, and gut, he does it in threes. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that's a very astute uh, craft observation. Although actually one thing that I'm... I think that hook and needle would be two separate things. However, there is not a comma between hook and needle. So is a hook needle a thing? No. Yes. What? It, I think I think it's I think it were meant to think it's a thing, and I'm sure if you look it up, you will find an option of a hook needle because that makes sense. Um, the way that you suture a wound closed is with a hook needle. Ugh. You don't use a straight needle to sew a wound shut. You use a hook needle. That makes sense. Well, you were yeah. right. It seems. Of course, I am. Don't get don't get too comfortable over there, Nick. <laughs> now, if I were of a type who might think that Elxadal was secretly a, an evil character or one who had a slightly skewed morality, I might want to point out that uh, Elxadal is uh, encouraging Quoth to get into mischief. Now, that is, I'm sure, just uh, friendly riffing, saying, "Oh, you know, you're going on vacation. Well, what happens in Vegas? Ha ha ha." But it also might reveal a little bit something about his worldview, right? Like, if you don't get caught, then it wasn't bad. So he feels that end justifies the means. <laughs> and I'm not, not necessarily that, but... Uh... I mean, I do think that Elk Shadal is just encouraging folks to sow some wild oats while he's, while he's out of town and... Yeah, I think if anything, he's like just gently ribbing Quoth about the fact that Quoth has acquired something of a reputation for himself at the university and that that's not always a good thing. And, you know, if he's going to get in trouble, he should get in trouble where, where it won't come back and bite him in the ass at the university. My, my partner and I were uh, musing the other day about which characters on Star Trek smoke weed and which characters don't. And I think that <laughs> of all the various masters at the university, El Shadal and Eladin definitely smoke weed. Oh yeah, big time. I think that some could potentially view it as suspicious that all the masters that Quoth has the chance to speak to are kind of meh about him leaving, except for El Shadal. However, I think that the, the reason for that is just because this was kind of Alkshadal's idea and he's pleased that Quoth agrees with him. Yeah, I think it's also emblematic of their real kind of relationships, right? Like, Kilvin doesn't care, but just basically says... I mean, he, I'm sure he cares, but his version of of caring is saying, like, don't forget about the ever-burning lamp, I want to hear your ideas. And then sort of shuffling him off. Arwell is uh, all business, 
And uh, I don't I don't really know what the long penetrating look is supposed to say, but it's his version of saying, you know, y'all come back now you hear there's this place for you when you get back. I'll leave a lamp on for you. I think also he's trying to steal him. Could be. Could be. I think Arwell, and like this just occurred to me, but I wonder if Arwell is like trying to save him. Arwell sort of is like, look, I could keep you on the straight and narrow if only you were my student. So if you wanted to, if you want to get back on the on the the good and righteous path, y'all come and you work at the Medica. Well, I mean, he already works in the Medica, right? I think that Arwell is doing the same thing that Anchor does on the next page, which is basically say, this won't damage your position with me. You'll be able to pick up as if nothing has happened. Was there a position in the Medica for him waiting before? It, it, the position that he currently occupies as like a Medica student. But he doesn't like work in the Medica, does he? I yes, he, he does. He does, but rarely front and center. But he does pull shifts in the Medica. Yeah, he's said okay. several times, I had a shift in the Medica, or I came from my shift in the Medica to do this, that, and the other thing. Never mind then, I take it all back. Now, Jeremy, your co-workers are, are honest folk, filling their days with labor. You, however, have spare time to commit the sin of onanism on the Twitter page. You must fill your day with honest labor like your co-workers, not laze about in the sun committing the masturbatory act of arguing upon the internet. Work shall set you free, my lad. <laughs> uh, Foghorn Leghorn, I wish to point out that uh, sex work is work, and thus uh, onanism is as important as any other labor, and it is furthermore labor <laughs> that I can control. Uh, now listeners y'all heard it here first reach into your pants and seize the means of production and yes i am referring to your genitals sorry what i zoned out <laughs> that's for the best honestly uh you didn't miss much well i am onanism <laughs> you sure are <laughs> several times a week i'm sure uh do we have a oh, letter more than that <laughs> we have a letter <laughs> Uh, this is from SNC, who writes on the subject of a jilted lover. Hello, pagers. Kvothe saying that Chronicler is like a jilted lover when he thinks that Kvothe has told his story to someone else before got me thinking about why he used that particular simile. Sure, maybe he just chose a random one that felt apt, but maybe he did so because he has firsthand knowledge of what a jilted lover is like, and so it's something that he reaches for. At the end of the book, Denna, after hearing about Quoth's sexual escapades with Felurian and many other women, seems to feel like a jilted lover. Perhaps this situation reminded Quoth of that. Thanks for the podcast and hope you're all doing well during this difficult time. Best regards, SNC. You know what? That is a very astute point. Uh, Quoth does have firsthand experience of what it's like to feel like you are you know, special to someone or feel like someone is special to you. But they are going off uh, smooching other people and feeling sad about it. So perhaps perhaps in choosing that simile, he was being a little bit self-flagellatory as well. <laughs> and that's it. We're done. We're good. I guess so. <laughs> All right. On to another page. Of the... <laughs> Wait. 